Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is February 20th, 2017, and this is episode 189. It's President's Day in which we recognize the contributions of great presidents of the past. And Scott, by that I think we can only mean Andy McPhail. Or Dennis Martinez? Ah, El Presidente, of course, of course. Uh, my name is Jake. Build English. that wall. Oh, wait. Sorry, my bad. No, that's that's totally different. Oh, okay. It's totally different. El Presidente never would have paid for it. Gotcha. My Just, name is, he would have picked him off. <laughs> you good? I'm good. I'm good here. <laughs> my name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. <laughs> On today's show, we'll talk to uh, Jabby Burns of Baltimore Sports Today. And we'll also look at the good and bad of one of our own. But we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, uh, what are you doing tonight? Uh, I hate to do this, but two weeks in a row, I have gone back to the 206. It's pretty good. All right. Uh, Jake, I am going with a Burzart Resurrection Ale. All right. I like it. Yeah. You didn't go with Cease and Desist, huh? I I did not go with Cease and Desist. Um, Actually, I got to tell you, uh, we put a refrigerator into the garage, and it's turned into the beer fridge. Uh, I feel like I've got a cornucopia, a bouquet, as it were, of beers to choose from now. So, uh I'm a very happy man lately. This is this is good to hear. Yes. Uh, if you are interested in sharing with us your drink of the week, please do it on Untapped. I am on Untapped at Jake E four zero two five, and you can find my cornucopia at MAGN eight six zero six. Scotty, last week we screwed up the show. We ruined the show because we missed a key component, something that used to make this place run, something that used to make Bird's Eye View buzz. I am. Mm. I of course. And referring to somewhere we go every week, and that is the medical wing. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart, they fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. You know, in this post-Barack Obama world, I'm not sure if we can actually be playing Doc McStuffins anymore. <laughs> I've forgotten how much I've enjoyed that as part of the show. All right, so it's early in spring training, but there is some medical news to get to. Uh, first, let's talk about Chris Tillman. Uh, depending on who you listen to, he, he is either dead, his arm is about to fall off, or he'll be fine. It could be anywhere in between, right? It is true. And actually, I've heard that he has got a great center field and outfield defense to go along and help the Orioles, <laughs> so... That's what we like. To um, yeah, I mean, sure, it's early enough in spring training where you can't get too worried about it. But uh, the fact that the uh, the deaded uh, PRP injection uh, was mentioned, 
if this were an elbow, this would be prelude to Tommy John, but it's a shoulder, so I guess it's prelude to a labrum? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Which is even worse, almost, in certain instances, Tommy John's. But um, anyway, um, do I think it's, you know, the death knell for Chris Tillman? No. Do I think that it's uh, something that further puts a dent on a already, um, let's say, uh, roster-laden issue with the pitching depth uh, that they have? Yes. I mean, it's really interesting. Um just the timing. Uh, the PRP injection was done in December, um, right after the Orioles traded Giovanni Gardo. Um, so the Orioles knew about Tillman's injury um, and still said, you know what, we're going to get rid of Giovanni Gardo. And I'm not saying that's a bad move. Um, it's just interesting timing is the best way to describe it. And even if you're not negative out about this, if you're not puckering a little bit, you don't know what's going on with the Orioles pitching. Yeah, it, it comes back to... Um, if you talk to folks, people are just like, I feel really good about the Orioles. You know, they were a wild card team last year. You know, they're going to get better. People are going to mature. Well, the thing is with the Orioles, and we've talked about this with the projections, in order for the Orioles to be better than what they're projected to be, which uh, on average is right around a 500 team, they have to thread that needle so carefully and so well that there really can be very little um, aspect of poor performances or loss of depth. And losing Chris Tillman, um, probably your second best pitcher in the rotation uh, certainly hamstrings you a lot when you've got the likes of Mike Wright or Tyler Wilson or some other individuals to fall back onto. Look, this team does incredibly well with one of its best pitchers out of the game. Yeah. All right, moving on, we're going to talk about J.J. Hardy, who is uh, out of baseball activities right now with back spasms. Look, J.J. Hardy is one of the two Orioles that's older than me, and so I root for this guy so hard. May he play forever. Um, this is the this is the type of thing that happens all the time with him, right? Back spasms are things he's had in the past. Uh, I, I'm over being nervous about J.J. Hardy because I think that he's just not up to a full season anymore. And I hope that they take all the precautions that they need to to get as much of him as we can for the remainder of the season. Right. I Like I said, nothing here surprises me. If you thought that J.J. Hardy was going to make it a full season... Um, more power to you, but back spasms happen to uh, any of us in our mid thirties, right, Jake? And, no, not yet. Oh well. Ow, ow. Oh yeah. So I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's just one of the things where you're going to constantly go on about this, and you know, we're going to get into mid May, and it's going to be well, JJ Hardy's dealing with some back spasms, so uh, he's going to go in the DL for ten days. You know what would make me feel better about this? Okay, if we had like, and I'm just throwing this out here, one of the most gifted infielders in baseball. Um, prepping for shortstop for some sort of international competition who was on our roster. That would be really handy. Yeah, Robert Andino. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> who I was referring to. Thank you. And uh, rounding out our little trip through the medical wing, we have to talk about uh, clearly one of the strengths of the Orioles roster. Who? Well, it's a key contributor in the bullpen. Zach Burton? No, 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 no. But Michael but, Givens. But you're close. He's Brad a lefty. Brock. Oh, lefty. Um, Donnie Hart. I'm going with Logan Andruzic. Is Logan Andruzic actually a lefty? I assume he must be. How else does he have a job? Logan Andruzic, I'm almost as positive, is a righty. He's a crappy reliever on this team, and he's not a lefty? I, I'm almost positive he's a righty because we talked about this last year and saying, why the heck are the Orioles bringing Logan Andruzic? Yes, Logan Andruzic is a right-hand throwing pitcher. I'm horrified by this. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, he rolled an ankle, and he's going to be uh, laid up for a little while. Yeah. That has to be the most surprising signing by the Orioles in the offseason. Yeah. Because it, he was gone, 
And then the orders came back and said, you know what? We're actually going to sign you again. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, what exactly is he offering you? Who's the dude that uh, that grooved the pitch to Derek Jeter? Oh, um, oh my goodness. Not Eaton, but something like that. We'll come back to that. I'll figure anyway, that out. Anyway, yeah. th- when they re-signed Andrusik, it was like they had re-signed that guy. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? All right. Well, you know, if you must. Yeah. All right. So that is the medical wing. Uh, let us know if we missed any of your favorite injuries in camp. We'll keep you posted as the weeks unfurl. And now it's time to move along to 140 characters or fewer in Birdland this week on the Twitters. Hmm. Begin this pun war has. Nice. By the way, it was Evan Meek. Evan Meek. I knew it started with an M. The Meek shall inherit the world. Oh, right, right. Mm. The earth, the earth. Uh, we don't deal with the earth anymore. It's the entire world. All right, so let's get into this uh, this pun war that has begun. Um, first tweet comes from Masson Orioles. It's, here's the vital info you need on Nuno. Oh, that, that's that's a tough one. That's, that makes you just grimace a little inside, but nice job, Olivia. Well done. All right, Jake, you want to take the second one now? Yeah, the other one was from our good friends over at Camden Chat, and I got to be honest, I think they started this pun war. Uh, this is, of course, is a tweet from at Camden Chat. It is vital for the Orioles to get some better pitching, so they traded for Nuno and DFA TJ McFarland. That's good work. That's good work. All right, so outfield identity. Um, this tweet comes from the Norfolk Tides at Norfolk Tides. The Orioles have signed outfielder Michael Bourne to uh, a minor league contract with an invitation to major league spring training. I think we're just going to call him Jason Bourne again this season. We must. Yeah, we must. Um, there was news that came out tonight, too, right after the signing, that um, he's got an opt-out day of uh, March 28th, so right before the end of spring training. Um, do, do you think there's any chance that he makes the Major League roster? Sure I do, yeah. I, I think that whoever uh, outperforms in camp is going to uh, get the job. I, I honestly feel— So this is the record clause. Yeah, I honestly feel that the outfield is just, let's see what sticks. Okay. Um, next, we're going to go to a tweet from our friends over at Utah Street Report. I I feel with a Bacharach uh, reference that this has to be uh, fellow baseball old man Derek Arnold behind the uh, behind the twitters. But it said, "What the world needs now is baseball, sweet baseball." Mm. I cannot agree anymore in these trying times. Next tweet comes from uh, well, it comes from at Run to Standstill. And uh, well, this is a this is a tease is the best way to describe it, and it's save it for the podcast. And it's to Sal Renato um, at Sal Team Six, and of course, uh, this is in reference to the now defunct OBP podcast. Boys, fire up those mics again. We could use the company. Next, we're going to go to a tweet from Mark Viviano, who tweets at Mark WJZ at Orioles players cheer the news that Brad Brock won his arbitration case versus the team announced during a pre-workout stretch. Hey, are are we saying that the Orioles lost an arbitration case? Is that possible? Is that allowed? I I, I didn't know it happened. I didn't know what happened. Although it's pretty funny because he seemed super relaxed, Brad Brock, about the arbitration process. So I guess uh, I guess he was pretty confident, and it paid off for him. Yeah. All right. So this last tweet is a little confusing to me, um, and it comes from Adam Jones at simply AJ10, and it goes as this: Agree with this all. Hardy is the Godfather. Uh, I'm sorry. Has anyone actually seen the Godfather in the Orioles? Because this makes no sense. Hardy is the complete opposite of the Godfather. 
Well, you know, he was uh, he was subtweeting, so to speak, or he's retweeting a tweet again from Mark Viviano saying that Machado is high praise for J.J. Hardy, says that Hardy is captain of the infield and captain of the team. Manny says he calls Hardy the godfather. It's interesting because, uh, you know, we've referred to Adam as the captain. So interesting for him to, uh, to, to give away that title uh, via the Twitters. He didn't give away the captain, but just gave up the godfather aspect. Just kind of odd um along with some other odd moments from adam jones this week um you know what let's let's go ahead let's bring somebody in um kind of talking about some of the stories that are unfolding so far uh, for spring training and uh we'll be right back You know, Scotty, every group has to have a degenerate, and in ours, this is it. Tonight, we talked to Jabby Burns, who is the resident degenerate of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Jabby is a featured contributor for BSR, who writes about the Orioles, the Ravens, Allegedly. the Terps. And uh, let me just tell you, his nuggets will keep your bottom line in the black <laughs> during football season. Jabby. Yes, Jabby is also the co-host of Baltimore Sports Today, the daily podcast of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, and is, don't tell anybody, an overall really good dude. Jabby Burns, thanks for joining us on Bird's Eye View. I don't think Zach's ever said any of those things once uh, during a BST. That's the nicest thing I've ever heard from anybody, and uh, I appreciate that, Jake. And if you could cart that up and send that over, I would be really, really happy with that. He, he um, paid me to say it, so, you know. Well, let's keep that on the download but yes i did because you all that take Disney my money, money in baseball yep. in baseball you guys both take my cash all right so of course jabby we start every interview with the same question <laughs> what is your drink of the week what are you doing this week oh well you know what i don't know if you guys have noticed on my on my gram that i think there are four or five people that follow uh i i've been getting back into the beer game i know that i'm new to it and it's kind of like a guy that got onto apple like five or six years later um, but I have actually had a Brewer's Art Peppercorn, um, I think it's like an 8.1% out of my growler, by the way. Your boy nice. has stepped up to have himself a growler. I know most of your listeners want to spit in my face that they've been doing this for years and they have beards and they're super, you know, they, they're, I get it. But I'm new to the game. I'm, I'm a Tito's connoisseur, of course. But tonight, because being on with you guys, I thought I would step it up a little. So Brewer's Art, who I know the brewer, Steve Frazier, give him a shout out. Fantastic dude. Great spot um, right there in um, Mount Vernon. And uh, it's a tasty, tasty beer, and you don't taste the peppercorn as much. So, yes, I'm having a beer with your boys. Yeah, the Brewers are Peppercorn Triple is um, is pretty nice, pretty nice one, uh, especially with uh, the steak frites at Brewers Art. Um, mm, look at you. Very good, very good. All right, so let's get into uh, the important details, and that's, of course, spring training and the storylines mm. that surround it. So my first question comes to this, Jabby, is – what is one story that no one is focusing on right now in spring training that um, Orioles fans should know at this time? Wow. Um, I guess for me, the biggest storyline really is what's going to happen when J.J. Hardy plays 122. I think I put the total at 125 games this year, and I think that's actually kind of high. And you move Manny over to shortstop because – 
you're going to move Manny over to short. Well, I'm sorry. Manny's going to move himself over to shortstop, boys. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Since Manny does basically run that team now, he's he'll move himself over to shortstop. Then you're lo- with the quartet of, I don't know, Ryan Flaherty, whatever Rule 5 guy decides to make the team, because Dan has to have a Rule 5 guy on the roster to make sure that he, you know, one of the three have to be on there, right, guys? And then if it's the return of our boy Andino, does he find his way how to get a third baseman's glove? Or does our boy Pete Alvarez find his way back, El Toro find his way back? And if he finds a glove, guys, is that something that... So my biggest, I think the biggest thing is is depth for this team. And I talked to Zach about it. The depth in this team is not there. And I know they signed Michael Bourne today, spoiler alert if you hadn't seen it. That's good for the outfield. And, and I think they need that. But really, guys, Hardy is... I mean, in, in the, his situation, the way he's going right now, Chris's hand already, I mean, he's, I can already hear him talking about that. Adam, as much as we love him, as much as you guys, you know, have this, you know, feud, quote unquote, feud with Adam, he's getting a little bit older in the outfield as well. I don't know. Is the, is the depth, I guess, the overall depth? But in general, for me, I'm, I'm targeting on J.J. Hardy, even before this whole situation with his back. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Hardy earlier in the show. And, um, you know, Hardy's been dealing with back spasms, well, pretty much for the past few years. So it's nothing that should be surprising. I mean, if anyone thought that J.J. Hardy was coming into the season and playing a full season, I'm going to quickly ask you to go to the nurse and get a piss test done immediately. Um, so, but I guess my big question is, you know, Machado moving to shortstop is an obvious pick, but third base is definitely a little bit more of a question mark. I think the names that you threw out of Flaherty and Endino are an interesting selection. But the one name that, you know, I'm kind of curious on to see what would happen is, is there any thought um, potentially about moving Chris Davis back over to there to the corner spot, putting Trumbo at first base and uh, potentially uh, batting uh, Trey Mancini as a DH? I mean, is that the worst infield? Can we go from one of the best infields in baseball to maybe one of the worst? Like nothing against Chris at third, because I thought Chris played admirable over at third base when he had to do that in 12 and, and, and then, you know, a little bit a couple times after that. But if he's not willing to go to right field, guys, call me crazy, Jake. I would rather play right field than third base at Camden Yards. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like Chris has basically said the owner likes me. He gave me the most money. I'm going to play first base and maybe I'll DH here and there, but I don't see Chris with any flexibility moving around the diamond. All right. So let's go back and fl- am I crazy? Is that crazy talk or no? You're I mean, not, is, it's Jake, not, is Jake on this show too or no? No, I mean, he's, he's on the show, but he doesn't really talk too much <laughs> as part of the contract negotiations that we had this, this off season. That wasn't, wasn't oh, an option. Right. Scott, Scotty, Scotty turns on, the right. mic off when I start to lean in. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just asking that. Do you, have you seen Chris Davis say, Hey coach, I'm good. I brought my outfielder's glove today to, to, to practice. Uh, Hey coach, I brought my third baseman's glove. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm not there, of course. I'm not Rockabaco. I'm just, I just haven't heard or, or seen from Chris that that seems to be something he's willing to do. I, I think that everybody, including Chris Davis, looks at that as the last possible scenario, right? That's the bottom of the list. And and all the guys that you mentioned, uh, there's a guy, Washington, uh, who they sign as a, a minor league free agent. He's a first baseman, third baseman. Frankly, I could see them go all the way down the depth chart. Before they, you know, wander over to Chris's locker and say, "Hey, can you can you grab a third baseman?" I, I think that it, right. I think it easily goes to Ryan Flaherty to start with. I sure. mean, it makes the most amount of sense. If they if yeah. they'll do that in the playoffs, why won't there. they do that on on opening day? Of course they will. I mean, I'm just saying that if you're looking to optimize as best as possible from a, from a talent standpoint and from an offensive production standpoint. It's not like Chris Davis plays a bad third base. I mean, as much as we don't want to push the whole thing of 
Davis is not uh, is, is is a great first baseman. Mark Trumbo is an above average first baseman. He could easily fill in for Chris Davis when Chris Davis goes over there. And me personally, I don't think Hardy's going to be out for that much. I think that the 125 games that she put out there, Jabby, is Ooh. right right at that point. Um, oh. But I, I don't think that it's too far off. I don't think that Hardy's going to miss more than you know four to six weeks this 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 season, which again is going to be right around that 125 game mark. All right, hang on. I have been notified oh. that my mic is on, so I want to ask you a question, Jabby. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> what my question? It oh. Oh, that's too bad. So, uh, so, so what, what Jake's question was going to be was, uh, what is the one storyline that is being blown out of proportion? Jake, I'm going to go ahead and turn your mic back on now, if you don't mind. I'll, I'll hush then. Okay. <laughs> are you asking Jake or asking me, or do you already know what Jake's saying to that? The I, biggest storyline that they're not talking about yet? Well, no, that, um, well we, we've already talked about the one that they're not talking about, but what's the one that's being blown out of what, proportion? What are you sick of hearing about? Yeah. <sighs> wow. I'm, I mean, I actually am excited about it, but behind the scenes, I, I'm sick of hearing about the WBC and how it's ruining baseball. Um, I think it's a great event, but I think it's played in the wrong time. It should be at the end of the year. And the fact that some of these guys have to leave for a couple weeks, I think that is, I mean, they're going to be playing competitive baseball, much more competitive baseball than they're playing in spring training games. We're going to take three innings, go out and then start playing ping pong and bags out behind the, you know, behind right field. I think that's something that, that I think people are blowing a little bit out of proportion. But the real question is, guys, what happens when um, you're getting towards the end of spring training and you start kind of bringing everybody back and Castillo, the catcher, has not been with these pitchers? I don't know. I think that's something that's kind of big for me. I'm not into the metric. You guys are way ahead of me and Zach's way onto that too about the metrics and with what Matt did with the catching. But I think that's a big deal there is having just the chemistry of all those guys together. So I'd, I would say the WBC for me. Now, I guess my question though is it comes back to the chemistry. I'm sorry. I got to chime in here, Jake. Go ahead. So you've got Matt Weeders and everyone loves Matt Weeders because he calls a great <laughs> game is the best way to describe it. But every single time you've got Matt Weeders behind the plate and what's the first thing he does when the batter comes to the plate? He turns his head to the right. He looks into the dugout at what Buck mm-hmm. signs is flashing him. And then he basically holds down whatever Buck basically just told him to, th- to throw down. I mean, it's not like Matt was the only one calling a great game. Oh, it was, it, it was yeah. Buck and the staff calling a great game. And Matt was the um, large Oompa Loompa behind the plate basically calling the balls and the strikes. So, That's high oh, praise. He set guy. the That's defense too. How dare you? He did stand up and set the defense too. Oh. Don't don't minimize what Matt behind the plate was doing. Now I thought a lot of that was because Matt didn't actually want to squat for very much longer so I thought that he'd <laughs> like to do that for that point of view because let's be honest I don't think Matt was the best at, at wanting to get down there to get down you know, and, and take those balls off the chest and do some of the things that well, what happened to Caleb Joseph? You don't want to take that ball off the chest, right, boys? Well, you just don't want to lose a ball in that process. Well, how dare you? What a season <laughs> he had, huh? So the WBC is clearly not optimal for uh, losing a catcher. I, I, losing do a we, new catcher. But do we have any data that backs that up? We have nothing to That's what I'm that. talking about. Let me ask you this. Do you think that there's anything positive to be said about WBC and the fact that it lets uh, it lets teams get to know the rest of their roster, right? So for the Orioles, they're going to lose a couple players, not having Jones in the lineup every day and needing to know what your outfield is going to look like. That's going to spread some at-bats to the rest of the circus out there that is uh-huh. the two Rule 5 guys, the Joey Rickard, to Bourne, whoever it is out there. 
um, you know, you're going to have more opportunities. Is there something to be said for the WBC happening during spring training in the fact that it gives an extra look at some of these fringe guys? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that really helps to find out where your depth's going to be. And that's something that, I, as I said at the top, I think that's the biggest part for the Orioles is the depth that I feel like they'll start to create. Dan does a very good job. And listen, you better cart this up. I'm saying something very nice about Dan. I think he does a very good job of adding to the roster as as, as he keeps going here, right? So he's added Bourne. He added the the lefty uh, Nuno. Um, or Nuno, is that right? Is that, are we pronouncing that correctly? Vidal, Whatever pronunciation for Vidal Nuno. Nuno. All right. So we got a lefty. You know, I mean, he's. I, I think it's going to be fine. He'll continue to add to it. So I agree with you, Jake. I think they're going to do a good job of getting at bats for Bourne, getting at bats for Seth Smith. I think there's a guy that we all kind of sleep on. And maybe I'm. Maybe you guys aren't. You guys are talking about him. But Kim still in this. I mean, on this team was probably the most productive hitter on this team towards the end of last year. The most somebody that we you got up at least against a righty. You said, well, he's going to get a hit now at this point. I mean, he went from one side of the thing where everybody wanted this guy gone. He was off the team allegedly on an, in, in an interview during Masson, and then now he's the hero hitting bombs, and, you know, and keeping, you know, everything going the way it went to get to the Walker game last year. I think that's somebody that teams are sleeping on. Going back to your question, I think that's an under talked about. Uh, what is he going to do? Is he going to hit against lefties? Is Buck going to continue what he usually does? And where is Rickard going to be in this in this lineup? So I agree with you, Jake. I think the outfield, the WBC does help him. But really, Jonesy was only going to play a couple innings anyways. You know how Buck does it with these guys in the spring. They only get a couple games, a couple innings, um, and then you're going to see some of the other guys come in there. All right, so we talk about the rotation, so to speak, of the folks that are out there in the outfield. Let's talk about another area where we've got some depth, and that is the bullpen. I'd like to ask you this. Uh, your buck for the day, all right. You get to uh, oh, you, nice. get, you get to run the organization. You get to run the team. Uh, it's the eighth inning. Who are you hand the ball off to? Eighth inning. Eighth inning. O'Day. Oh, I mean, if O'Day is there, in my opinion, just I have to watch him. I mean, obviously, I think what you're trolling me with is asking me that you want me to say Brock, and that because of recent you know history, and he's the first one to beat the uh, Orioles in unbelievable arbitration. One, my boy Russell Smouse, by the way, shout out to him. He gets out of there unscathed, and then they bring in another cat who just gets pwned in his first time there against Brad Brockman. I think O'Day, you paid O'Day. The Orioles don't give out four-year contracts to anybody, let alone employees, scouts, anybody. Nobody gets four-year contracts very often, let alone a reliever. And now what O'Day did... By missing so much time last year, I have to think, in my opinion, that Buck would trust still him to go to, which I think helps because now Brock becomes so much better in the seventh inning role. Plus, his value goes up because guys will say, oh, well, you can move him to an eighth inning now or he can be your closer as well if, if they're looking to move him, which I still think they do because I think Givens is a guy that could emerge and really, really help in the back end. And then you have a really what they always said about their starters. A, what did they say? Dealing from a position of strength when they moved – um, Gallardo, well, it wasn't really strength, was it, guys? Was it just the fact that they had six guys, right, warm bodies? That doesn't mean it's strength. I think you would be able to deal from um, a position of strength there if you needed a batter, if you needed a starting pitcher. Weird idea uh, with Chris Tillman's situation that they got going on there. So I think that would be huge. I still think he hands it to O'Day in the longest question ever to be answered. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that knowing Buck, you probably give it to O'Day. But I don't really go in for Brock. I go for Michael Givens. Michael Givens posted some ridiculous numbers last year, 11.57K per nine. Yeah, the walk weight was up at the beginning of the season, but Michael Givens uh, right now is projected 
um, from all sabermetric stats, including F4 and FIP values, to have a better season in the upcoming 2017 season than Zach Britton. Michael Gibbons has that has that it factor, and you can watch him when he goes against certain premier players that he just befuddles them. Um, do I think he's on par with Zach Britton? I don't know yet. I, I still need to see it. But I'm certainly intrigued to see what would happen if you go from Michael Givens to Zach Burton in the ninth inning. I also like moving Brock down and not having him come in the eighth inning. We talked about this during the 2014 and 2015 season where Brock came in a lot of times for multi-inning appearances. And that was a big thing for the Orioles, especially for how weak their rotation is. If you can move Brock back down and have him pitch one and two-thirds of an innings or so, um, I think that's a big benefit for the team. And then rely on O'Day, Givens, and Britton to be your seventh, eighth, and ninth guys as well. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And Givens, I do like it. The one thing I would say the difference is, and maybe he's going to work on it, he wasn't really that great against lefties. And that seemed to be something that O'Day does a much better job, at least has more of a track record, I would say, than Givens up at this point. But don't you guys both agree? I mean, I know Jake's kind of on the show. That you, do you guys agree that Givens and O'Day are kind of the same guy? Yeah, I disagree entirely. The thing is, though, all is right. that I think all those guys back there are effective. And your comment about O'Day being the guy that makes all the money, I understand that. But I wonder if we're going to get to the point where, you know, baseball is starting to look at bullpens differently. You look at the way Andrew Miller was utilized in the playoffs. And if it doesn't become that the fire, the fireman, the guy that comes in to, to the high leverage situation in the sixth, or the seventh is not the guy that's looked upon as the hero of the bullpen and not necessarily the closer or the setup guy. Yeah. Um, you know, when the game is on the line because our, our starters are not effective the third time through who better to bring in than a guy like Darren O'Day. Um, I, I think that's going to be the interesting thing. You know, who, the, who's getting the ball in the eighth? Well, whoever's left after we had to get to the eighth. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think Buck will, you know, let's say this. I mean, he's loyal to a point, right? We always say he's too loyal sometimes. Well, I know he's loyal to O'Day, but there's a lot of guys back there that he can hand the ball to. I know he's, quote, unquote, people think he doesn't like Britain because he couldn't put the game against the Blue Jays. I think that's absurd. Um, I think Britain is the guy you bridge it back from there. But I think the Orioles are going to be in the same position. I think maybe you guys agree or not. It's hard. The rosters are where they're at now. Let me ask you a question. How many innings do you need from a starter to be able to get an Oriole-type victory? Is this the same formula for you guys do you think this is going forward? Because I do think that you're going to log more innings now. You're putting more more uh, stress on Gosman. You're putting more, more more stress on Bundy now. You're going to have to start skipping starts with Bundy, right? Don't you guys agree that there's going to be some times where, hey, let's skip the start with it, with Bundy? I, you don't think that he's good for however many innings? I, I, I would hope so. I mean, and then you have the wild card in Ibaldo. I mean, Bundy can't go 180 innings. I know people think no, that he can, right. but there's no chance. Is that the over-under? Well, I mean, I think the over-under for, for Bundy this year is 150 innings. And I think that's the best that he could potentially do. Oh, yeah. And I think his arm falls off if that's the case. Oh, and, my God. I'm terrified of that. And, and not to mention. Dave Dervecki. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. If you get, out there. Even if you get through this season, you come into next season. Um, and I hate to look in 2018, even before we even started in 2017. But you look at. Um, the depth that you have on this team, and you've got Kevin Gossman, and you've got Dylan Bundy coming into next season pretty much as your only pitchers available, because uh, Chris Tillman's not going to be here next year as well. Abaldo won't be here. Abaldo won't, won't be here. Miley won't be here, exactly. So you look at it and you say, okay, if Bundy has a setback this season oh and, my God. and is not available this season, it also is a question of, is he going to be available in 2018? Because if he's not available in 2018, 
then it's fire sale time for the Baltimore Orioles. Dude, this team could be the, the the really quickly be like the Astros of like four years ago, really quickly in that. You know, once these contracts come up, man, you know, let's just say, I mean, I know you guys haven't do doomsday or anything, and I don't want to do that either just because you look down. But you're right. You're absolutely right. That's why I said the depth is so big, too, because not just I was talking about the position players, the depth, because of some little bit aging players and baseball, baseball turns. But you're right. Pitching wise. I mean, who's to say what was the last time this P is it P-U-P, P-R? What's the P? Give me talk to me. Someone tell me about this thing. that. Uh- PRP plasma rich platelet injection. You know, Zach talks about it and I black out every time he does. So I'm just trying to figure out. So has it ever worked? That's my only question. Uh, it's, uh, it's worked in other players. Um, one of the most notorious ones works on other teams. (laughs) uh, Masahiro Tanaka actually had it done. You say that works, but he's lost like four or five miles on his fastball. He's getting it up there and people swing at the worst split finger ever. And Jones is half of the swings. So it's true. He's the only one that I could think of. And I know you're going to, I just, I just don't understand. You know, just, uh, Britain, Britain had it back in the day, back when he was still a starter. Uh, he obviously didn't end up a starter, but that, that, you know, that was a happy ending eventually. Yeah. All right. So there are some chances that that can happen. There's one outers is what you're telling me. Gentlemen, the two of you should be ashamed of yourself. All right. You're you're sitting here. Kobe Bryant also had PRP injection (laughs) apparently back in the day. (laughs) In Colorado. And then he had to to buy a really big diamond to apologize for. He did, yes. Um, (laughs) They're so happy together now, though. The two of you should be ashamed of yourself. Was that prostitute rich? (laughs) Talking about (laughs) penetration treatment? (laughs) I tried to push through and I just couldn't. The rails. We just jumped off the rails. Sorry. (laughs) You you keep talking about the starter depth and you fail to mention that the. Vidal Nuno signing was clearly to bolster the rotation as well. It's the Adrizimer Despagne of 2017. Can I divulge a text that I got uh, yesterday, right? And it's I'm not going to divulge the person, of course, and you guys could read between the lines who you think it is. I said, what's up? What's this Nuno? Like, give me the idea. And he, this person writes back. He's like a McFarland type, back of the bullpen, you know, that kind of deal. And then I next thing I see is McFarland's release. So they really have a lot of confidence in this player when they're basically comparing him to TJ McFarland, who I was kind of surprised. I mean, I know we kind of do skits and bits and, you know, make fun of TJ, but were you guys surprised that he was the guy that was released? Uh, not at all. He is absolutely right. terrible. He's all absolutely right. terrible. And you come back to... Uh, the the text you received from an individual that was probably named Schmate Schmowalter, and um, <laughs> and um, you come back and you think about it and you're like, well, Nuno has three years of club control. He has yep. one option remaining, so he's everything that you want from a TJ McFarland that TJ McFarland no longer is. So right. wh- why do you not go out and get Vidal Nuno, especially if you're only giving up an eighth round uh, draft pick, basically, um, and going from Mosley. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, well, the the funny thing is with that too is in the end here, regardless of what it is, he's going to outperform whatever it is that you probably traded for him. Oh yeah. I mean, we're not going to look at a Zach Davies situation, Josh Hader situation. I can go down the line um, with what what has happened, but I I agree with you. I think it's it's a depth type situation and it's a left handed warm body. Hey, just another example of Dan Duquette's age old adage of. The minor league system is paying dividends on the major Ooh, league there roster. There you go. Well done. God, that's well done, so sir. good. That was really – I mean, you just talked in a circle like Dan did too, and I still – I just felt – I just went right along with like my dog. I love it. All right. So, oh. uh, Jabby, you want to do some uh, some odds making with me? I don't know what that is, but you, if you if you let me know what that means, yeah, I would like to. All right. So don't make eye contact when you do it. I've whatever got a few- it is. <laughs> I've got a few categories here that uh, I want you to Ooh. pick at, and uh, some yeah. of them are over-unders. 
But I decided oh, okay. to throw in the different categories I was thinking about. Yeah, Go ahead. But I was thinking about also throwing in maybe a head to head as well into this as well. So uh, my first one, it's going to tug at your heartstrings a little bit, but head to head, who's going to be the better pitcher this year, Kevin Gossman or Jake Arrieta? Is going to tug at my heartstrings because he'll punch me right in the face if I don't pitch the right guy. If I don't pick the right guy here, I could get punched me in my actually in my dumb face. I think it was what it was. When <laughs> the former Cy Young, or at that time he was crossfitting. Um, oh, I mean, I have to say Jake because I mean he's. I mean, it, what do you mean by I mean better year? Just basically just by the nerds, like the war, like everything in general. He's just going to be the better pitcher, not, not wins, because I think wins are the dumbest thing ever. So mm-hmm. I will say Jake Arrieta will have a better ERA, will have a better strikeout, and um, will definitely yeah, Jake Arrieta. Yeah. All right, because I, I raised this question because if you look at some of the projections that are out there right now between Kevin Gossman and uh, Jake Arrieta, there's only a difference of like. 0.2 or 0.3 war. So they're actually very similar in terms of predicted uh, performance, which I find very interesting. Um, I'm excited for that yeah. if that happens. And I usually hate all those guys because they hate on our squad, but um, so, if they go in our favor, I like it. So since J- Jabby's picking Jake Arrieta, I'm going to go with the home team guy because apparently I am very negative and I'm going to go with Kevin Gossman. So, uh, are you considered negative? Uh, sometimes I am by by certain people. Um, All right. So next category, this is going to go into a true or false category. Um, mm-hmm. A Baltimore Oriole will once again win the home run crown. True. Do you want to name a I name or Manny Machado? No way. I think Manny could have a just a. I mean, it's crazy that I think he's the only guy on the team that can have a. Uh, where he can continue each year by year have career years, right? So Trumbo had the most home runs you'll ever see Trumbo ever hit again. Yes. Do you believe that or no? I, I completely right? agree with that. And maybe Chris Davis does run into a bunch of balls in August and you know get there. I just think that Manny could get to a point. He, didn't he hit 35 of the easiest home runs last year? He actually hit 37 of the easiest home runs last year. Okay, so did he hit like three in a game? I get it. Like against the White Sox, you probably had him in DraftKings and just stole another pot. It probably happened. Um, Normally I just, if I play against you, yes, I do steal your pots. <laughs> I just feel like Machado's in a spot where I think home runs aren't going to be as high because I think pitching's better, and I think situational pitching is going to keep home runs down as well. So I actually would say, in my opinion, I think they will, and I think Manny Machado might lead the AL in homers. All right. I I, I think that I'll have what he's having. Yeah, there I, you will. I would love to see that, but at the same point— Brewer's art. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that Davis is going to probably do it. So I'm in the same category as you. I'm in a true category there. I think Davis, though, is going to be your AL crown uh, winner of this year. I, I think he's probably the he's probably the fave on that team for sure. Yeah. I think clearly, though, the way this keeps happening is that it's a, it's an afterthought. It's a guy that gets signed late in the season or in the in the uh, spring that, that oh, Michael you know, resets a career. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think I think you're clearly omitting the fact that in late February, an unemployed Matthew Weeders will be re-signed by the Baltimore wow. Orioles on a one-year deal and just mash his way through the... No, I can't. I can't do it. Wow. Well, what if he... Can, can he play third? <laughs> That's a good question. Can, can, he, can he pitch? Because we might need a starter. Yeah. Actually, he yeah. used to pitch for Georgia Tech, so... Yeah, he was a yeah. closer, yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt he, knows the, he knows the rotation. All right, well, we talked about this before with uh, with Hunsu Kim, so my over and under is 100 plate appearances for Hunsu Kim against left-handed pitching. God, I love that. That is so, that's like the best one ever. I'm actually going to, st- I'm going to rip that off and put that on Twitter as my own. Like I do most of your stuff. I'm going to say over because I feel like Kim's going to get a lot of ABs. And how many times in the, in the spring will you hear it? How many, how many posts will you see from 
and nothing against all these guys, by the way, Cam Depot, all, I mean, you know, get all your plugs out all you want. Uh, uh, Kim faced a lefty. This is his uh, stats against a lefty. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. going to get plenty of bats, especially now that he's not. He's decided not to play for his country, hates his country, and decides to play with the old good old Orioles, who was his new country. I think that uh, the over a hundred. It's going to be close. That's a great number, but I'm going to take the over. All right. So just as a just as a reference point, um, last year Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope um, had about 170 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. Of course, both of them played pretty much the entire season. Yeah. So Hunsu Kim would have to play pretty much the entire season and play almost every single time against left-handed hitters. So uh, I'm going to go with the under. I think um, the under is a good call yeah, because I just don't think it's going to happen. So, you know, yeah. those numbers, once you look at it, it doesn't really line just up. Just not that many lefties. Yeah, exactly. Although can I count the spring games too or no? No, you can't. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Can all you right. count guys that have left hands? <laughs> what if Nisak comes in and then yeah. he's slinging it from both sides? Is it not Nisak? Who's the guy that, uh, uh, that can sling it from both sides? Uh, he played for the A's starts with the D, I think Dvorak, something like that. Yeah. We can look that He up. gets a lot of people out. Yeah. He's not helping us either, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jake, why don't you take this next one since you haven't talked to the mic lately? Are, are you going to turn it off? No, I would never do that. All right. So the next one here we... Oh, uh, so the next one we're going to talk about <laughs> is the uh, over and under. Uh, and it's the question of, are the Orioles going to have 29 and a half stolen bases as a team next year? <laughs> <laughs> next year or ever again? <laughs> Just next year. You mean next year, like coming up here in this season or in 18? Like, go talk to me. Are no, we adding them together? No, no, we're just talking about 2017. Oh, okay. 2017. What is it again? Did you say 29? 29 and a half. Oh, okay. No. That half really puts it over the top. No, uh, one, no one wants a push. No, well, no one wants that. Um, no, they're not, they're not going to get. Tw- I mean, Manny had zero last year, right? Uh, Manny had Did zero. Did he last steal year. like 20 the year before? He's, he had like zero. He stole year. 20 the year he was coming off the knee surgery, basically, yeah. just to prove the point of like, hey, I can still I can run. run right? yeah. So he's not. Um, I know that you guys, I mean, allegedly are not big on the leadoff hitter. I mean, I don't want to spoil you guys, but I mean, I, I would think that you guys have really no idea who's going to be the leadoff hitter at this point. Um, nor do I. Um, I don't think our boy Kim, if he does get on against a lefty, is going to be, you know, taken second. No, but um, I would love to watch him try. Oh, baby. I love when he runs. Um, I don't even think Reimold's going to be able to be on this team to be able to come in and pinch Ron to get it. So unless Bourne gets a, a ton of at-bats, Seth Smith's not the speediest guy I can tell. But it's not even just about that. Adams, those guys are still fast, but they don't want to run anymore. Under. Highly under. Are you just, it's like, it's not even going to be close. It's not going to be. I mean, it's like Virginia playing college basketball. Take the under. All right, I'm actually going to go with the over on this one. I think that uh, what I think there's. Are we getting Vince Coleman? I mean, what are you talking about here? I I think we're going to get a little bit of a different aspect. I mean, the Orioles were so under (laughs) from a historical aspect that it makes no sense that it could continue in this fashion. So I think that it's going to be the over uh, because 29 and a half is still a ridiculous number. It would still rank 29th in all of Major League Baseball wow. to have 29 and a half. I think the next, nobody runs. Yeah, no one runs, but it, that is a ridiculously low number. So no, I do think the Orioles are going to have a few more, and it's going to still be a ridiculously low number. But the Orioles are still going to be over the 29 and a half. You know, do you, guys, do you guys miss that? Do you miss a guy that you get on base and the excitement of like if we had a Billy Hamilton, for example, or somebody one of these? You know, not Altuve, of course. I'm just saying. 
would that excite you to have a player that you got on base and you just like Corey Patterson type? Absolutely would, but I, I wouldn't say Corey Patterson. I would say prime Brian Roberts. Do you remember watching him steal third yeah. base? I mean, it was like a foregone conclusion. That, do, that dude stole third more frequently than anybody else in baseball. Yes, yeah. I miss Helmet that a piles lot. piles off, head f- f- first slide, then he's hurt. You know what? I like dongs. Scott is a big <laughs> fan of the dongs. All right, you boys, like something needs to get settled here. All oh. right. The air needs to get cleared. I think it just got settled. Frankly, this was uncomfortable for me last year, and so we need to talk Ooh, oh. about this. Oh, okay. Right. Well, then now I'm listening. Oh. Now I love this part. I feel that we need to take one last over under. Okay. And I need to hear from the both of you on this. Okay. My question to you, fellas, is this: Jonathan Scope home runs <laughs> over under. <laughs> 26 and a half oh okay hold on it was tw- like 25 last year we're giving him an extra what is he to get that much stronger no it was 26 and a half actually last year was that what it was yes. didn't he get to 24 and then just basically take the september off he did just to spice oh, you so, Jabby. but he, you know what he played all 162 games i didn't get an extra home run for that did i no you did not how dare you um <laughs> so what kind of growler i mean i gotta bring it to the opening day i don't they're not gonna let me through the gates with it i mean oh, to, first of all you're not it, gonna you're not gonna find a growler for what i was recommending in fact i'm gonna have a hard time believing you're ever gonna find a six-pack of this beer that i recommended but uh well I, good luck with I it. travel a lot of places tell me if it's somewhere is it in the west coast uh it is gonna be on the west coast if you go to san diego you definitely could bring it back well, I'm going to be there in two weeks, so All right. talk to me. All right. Well, I'll, I'll send you another thing of where it, it potentially is in San Diego, and we'll go from there. How oh, dare you? All right. So, so, well, it's, can, so I have to take the over again. Just because, I mean, why not? It's a fun <laughs> bit, right? Every time at some point I get a bottle principle. of Tito's. I it's somehow will continue to drink them even without getting them, winning them. But 26 kind of half is kind of high. Can I get it down to 25 and a half? I'll tell you what. Um, Jonathan Scope right now is projected on all models to not hit any more then 25 home runs so i'll tell you what i'll do i'll take it to 25 and a half for you just so that you you cannot complain okay consider consider so close consider this was so fun consider this to be the regression of how poor of a player jonathan scope truly is oh the gauntlet is down (laughs) it seems that no that seems to be a growing sentiment a lot of people seem to think that this is um what it seems like he's he's getting more negative attention in my opinion than than positive like last year was like people people were excited last year i think his september kind of soured some people no well if you look at i'm going to pull out the the number game jabby and i know you hate oh, it. i know i got you i don't like numbers so I went to Harvard if, and Atlantic. if you look at some of the exit velocity um of son of jonathan scopes balls um there's nothing in there that screams wow. In fact, he has a very similar exit velocity to a JJ Hardy, um, which just screams that's like not good. that's not good. Exactly. So, God, he looks so good in his shirt, though. I mean, he does look really so does. good. <laughs> the one thing I will say is this: he looks good in JJ Hardy's shirt. This is getting weird, guys. <laughs> oh my God, weird. He's so great. We talked about this last season. This is going to was going to be the first full season of Jonathan Scope in 2016. And now that he's kind of got a feel for the entire full season, I do think he's going to have a better season than even he did last season. I think you could easily see that drain wear on him on September. So I think that there's going to be a little bit more of a consistent performance throughout the season by Jonathan Scope. That being said, I don't think he's going to hit the 25 and a half, but that's another. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm only doing it because I'm a super homer. I'm like, you know, it's like my Titans. Um, I, I, I will say <laughs> that with the scope situation is, do you think now that we have 14 middle infielders that are basically four a players on the team and one or two of those are going to make this squad, 
does he get a couple blows? He's not doing a 162 again this year, if, if, if unless they have to, right? There's no reason why a player like— He's not Cal. I mean, let's get Yeah, there's no Cal. reason that a player like Ryan Flaherty or even Andino or somebody else shouldn't be going in there and playing a few games at second base for him just right. to give him a few breaks. But I still see him playing 150-plus games yeah, um, and just you know doing a really great job this season. I think if you look at a wild card player that this player is going to have to basically explode and turn this team into a playoff uh, team again, I think it either has to be Chris Davis or it has to be Jonathan Scope. If either one of those has a all-star-like season, the Orioles are a playoff team this season. Yeah, I can see that because you, you expect what you're going to get from Manny, right? You expect yep. Jonesy be where he's at. You're going to yep. get the numbers from everywhere. The pitching staff is meh. We'll figure they'll figure it out, right? Yeah. Well, I've talked about this before. Is if if the Orioles starting rotation can be somewhere between 15 to 20th in all of Major League Baseball, they've got a good shot they at basically getting to the playoffs. Yeah, because their bullpen is so good, their infield defense is so good. Um, and they've got enough of offense to basically smash their way to enough wins. So you don't have to be a great pitching staff. You just have to be a meh pitching staff meh. with this offense meh. and this bullpen. Two yeah. quick things about Jonathan Scope. First, I think that everybody was ready for him to explode last year, right? Absolutely. Everybody was just everybody was on the train. And so when it didn't happen, we were salivating. Yeah. <laughs> when it didn't happen, I think that's why uh, there's so many people that are down on Jonathan Scope. You know, fool me once type of deal. But I think that that's the perfect opportunity for him to take those negative uh, expectations and turn us around, get us right back on the train. The yeah. other the other thing is that if we're worried about fatigue, keep in mind that he's also going to be playing highly competitive games in the WBC for the Kingdom of the Netherlands. <laughs> nice. I love the Netherlands. What a great country. So many things you can do in the Netherlands. <laughs> so fun. All right. Well, Jabby, thanks so much for coming on the show to talk with us. Uh, anything yeah. you want to plug or anything that's going on right now in Baltimore sports or uh, yeah. in your degenerate yeah. life? Um, yeah, actually, I do. I do a podcast. Podcast who's with a really talented person in Zach Wilt, uh, Baltimore Sports Today. It's a daily podcast that uh, Zach does a great job of reeling me in and keeping me in. And we uh, talk everything from you know Orioles to Terps to basically we talk about you guys a lot on the show too. And that sucks because it's like I do their own podcast. We have nine listeners and we still talk about you guys. So we're desperately seeking not Susan, but we're desperately seeking somebody like you guys. So if we can get up to your listenership at some point in our life, we'll be happy. But uh, Give us a listen. You know what? Don't even listen. Give us a download, and there then it's fine. It doesn't matter if you listen or not. That's exactly the right way to go about it. All right, Jabby, thanks so much for coming on the show. Folks, Thank turn you, into Baltimore Sports Today for your daily dose of Baltimore sports. It'll certainly fill the gaps between, well, the greatest podcast of all time, known as Bird's Eye View. Yuck. <laughs> Jabby, great to talk to you, pal. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you soon. All right, pal. Thanks, bro. All right, Jake. So I had a weird Sunday morning is the best way to describe it. It was very weird. All right. So I sit down on Sunday just kind of doing some work. And, well, I saw this one tweet, and it came from Dan Clark. Um, everyone knows Dan Clark. Um, fellow Oriole fan from uh, the great country of Australia. Um, just posted something about Adam Jones and being a leadoff hitter and how it worked really well last year, so we should continue on that trend. And... 
Look, you know my opinion on this. Like Adam Jones is not a leadoff hitter. You know he doesn't have the on-base percentage for it, the plate discipline. Uh, there's a multitude of other factors that make him um, not appropriate for being a leadoff hitter. Not to say that he's not a bad player. Just the leadoff position is not his mo. And he went there out of an emergency because we didn't have anybody else. Isn't this the time when you're planning out the next season? The time to try to find somebody who's really well suited for that role, so you can make Adam Jones available in a spot in the lineup in in a place where he's really good. Sure. So it was an interesting like back and forth between me and Dan. Dan has his opinions on it, thinking that you know Adam by going into the leadoff position really helped to uh, become a better hitter. Um, me personally, I think that he was just becoming the hitter that he has been in the past when he wasn't injured like he was at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think that was a, you know, an incorrect um, assertion on his part. But again, different opinions when you're looking at statistics. But what was really interesting was after having a conversation for a few minutes, Adam Jones decided to chime into this this conversation and uh, make a few comments, which was very interesting to me. Um, a few of these comments were, at the end of the day, what matters is wins and losses, correct? Now, how are you going to get there? Just find a way. Um, it's all moving forward and getting better for the year. Positive vibes in such a negative world. All I know is that we went to the playoffs, wildcard game, so something worked. Just be happy with it. No need to always look at the negative when there are so many positives. This team deserves so respect. All right. So, first of all, really cool that Adam Jones, you know, you know, tweeted us to a certain regard, but also really weird. Um, and I'm wondering if we're starting to see a trend here with Adam Jones. So of course, one of the big stories so far, this spring training has been, um, the kerfuffle, I guess is the best way to describe it about Adam Jones center field positioning. Um, and the issue that Adam has taken with Dan Duquette in terms of Dan Duquette saying, you know, I've read that Adam Jones should be potentially positioning himself deeper in center field. And you know how I feel about that. I don't think it's going to make that big of a deal. I don't think Adam Jones strictly moving back a few steps in center field is going to make a significant difference um, because not many balls went over his head last year. I think the bigger issue is um, what happens in the um, to the left and the right of him and how is his left fielder and right fielder going to help to basically cover the ground. This is the same issues I had with Nick Markakis back in the day where I didn't think Nick Markakis and Adam Jones were able to um, get that right field power alley gap and cover it with enough range and decency. You mean 2110 Utah Street? Yes, 2110 Utah Street. But again, we talked about this on the show last week. I don't want to talk about defensive positioning because, again, it's it's a mute point at this point. What I do want to talk about is uh, this this characteristic of Adam Jones to kind of come back and continually harp and hold a grudge it almost seems like in terms of feeling like there's a chip on his shoulder and this has been a big thing for the orioles for the past few years of feeling like there's a chip on their shoulder um but is it a good look or a bad look look we know there was a situation last year where on um fellow blog uh, utah street report an article was posted by ryan blake um where it suggested that hey maybe it's a time for adam jones to start considering moving to right field because the range is becoming an issue and immediately after that adam jones blocked <laughs> Um, said individuals um, because he took uh, it with heavy criticism. So I, I guess my question is, Jake, do we just let this roll off our shoulders or is there something inherently at fault with Adam Jones for potentially being a little bit more too thin skinned when it comes to um, internet commentary, especially from bloggers or podcasters such as ourselves? Well, I mean, I think it's good that Adam Jones is 
uh, engaging with the fans. I think it's it's nice that he's acceptable, and I also think it's nice that Adam Jones isn't just the oh we play it one game at a time, we give it a hundred ten percent effort. He's he's real and yeah. he's honest, and I appreciate that. But I is, also, is he real? Like you look back through these tweets, and it's the aspect of um, wins are all it's about. You know, as long as we got to the playoffs, that's all that matters. I mean, is I, is, is that all we really want to hear, though? I, I think, though, that there's a little bit of the man in the arena thing going on yes. with him. Oh, it's a good point, yeah. And, and I think that this is, this is you know, not only common to sports, but also, you know, you mentioned Adam Jones with a chip on his shoulder. And I think that, yeah, that's the person he is. That's the player that he is. And I think that it drives occasional irritation with him and i think it drives the great player that we enjoy watching um and unfortunately i i think that you have to accept both right right it's a, it's a full human being and you know at times he's prickly and at times he's awesome right. you know awesome with the fans awesome with the community i mean you know i like watching him play but right. i also know that there's this way about him and uh, you know you brought up his conversations with Dan Duquette, but I think it goes one step further than that. I don't think the discussion about Adam Jones's range gets brought up if Adam Jones hadn't suggested that the organization needed to find more mm-hmm. athletic outfielders, and he went into a territory that maybe the GM thought was not right for Adam Jones to talk about. So, you know, is he thin-skinned? Eh, maybe. But I think that, that the ability for him to to get hurt by things like this are also the thing that fuels a sixth inning home run. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's an interesting point. And I think it comes back to as baseball fans, we love seeing our players and managers have that chip on their shoulder and being willing to go out there and fight. I mean, when Buck Showalter came in the organization and kind of was snippy back to, well, the Yankees get that way all their way or the Red Sox get out of the way. We were just like, yes, someone's finally saying what you want to say. And to a certain regard, Adam Jones is completely right. And it's what we've harped on Bird's Eye View for the past few years about is saying, you know, sometimes we don't, we take it for granted about how good this team has been for the past five seasons. You know, the most wins in all of American League, um, three out of the five years going to the playoffs. But in the end, you look at it and you're just like, yeah, but they were never able to get that championship. And I feel like that's the one um, thing that is is out there. And I, I feel like it's, I hate to go into the football aspect of it, but it's similar to me, like with the Ravens, like you, when the Ravens were going through this whole turmoil of like getting to the playoffs, getting to a champion, AFC championship, not quite getting to the Super Bowl, you always heard Ray Lewis kind of talking and being a little chippy and stuff like that. You just be like, dude, just be quiet and just go out there and play and get that Super Bowl. And now, you know, once he got that Super Bowl and he retired, you're just like greatest of all time, goat and stuff like that. But if Ray doesn't go get that Super Bowl, do you still have that same opinion of him? Or do you say, Great player, big mouth, doesn't really take the criticism acceptable as well. Um, and I think Adam would be the first one to say is, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to you've got to go out and get those championships because that's how you get a statue out on the flag court or on the flag court, out in Statue Park. Um, but it's just interesting that Adam has a tendency to um, be very vocal with his opinions, but has a very difficult time accepting other individuals' opinions, um, which is an interesting characteristic. And I also think that it's difficult with Twitter, 140 characters, and I guarantee that Adam Jones is not trolling through our our Twitter feed. No, to not at see, all. you know, this one comment is it is it uh, representative of you know everyone's opinion on any particular topic? So I, I think it's with so, things like this, you kind of have to capture a moment in time. 
And I guarantee that, you know, tomorrow he'll have forgotten about it. And, you know, by mid-season, when we're counting on him to win a game for us, we'll have forgotten about it, too. But I think you're right. It's an interesting uh, it's an interesting point of, yeah. uh, of reference. So my biggest concern comes down to not so much the aspect of the blogger podcast stuff. What I'm really concerned about is um, constructive criticism or differing viewpoints than that of Adam Jones or potentially even... Um, the clubhouse in general. So for example, if the analytics, for example, do say, Hey, Adam, you should be doing this differently, or you should be doing that differently. But in that clubhouse, Adam Jones says, well, we don't need to do anything differently because, you know, look at the success that has done me or Buck hasn't come back and told me this. Um, it certainly seems like there again is this disconnect between um, what potentially analytics say and what is the old school mentality that which is being fostered by, um, potentially the players, the clubhouse, and Buck Showalter. Um, and there's obviously a balance. This this whole podcast has always been about the balance of analytics versus chemistry and gut and grit, basically. But um, it, it's just really interesting to see Adam continuing to, I wouldn't say rail against it, but be adverse to um, certain statistical mindsets. I know Mark Trumbo, for example, has been, hasn't come out and specifically say anything about statistics, but has specifically mentions like, no, I need to work on my exit velocity and my launch angle in order to get more, you know, line drives and home runs. And that's the kind of stuff that you like, you pick back and say, Oh, he's just not going up there. Just hacking. He's going up with there with a purpose. And personally, that's what I like to see in a player going up there with a purpose. And I do think Adam Jones goes up there with a purpose many times, but I also think Adam Jones sometimes comes up there like we saw in the wild card game and is trying to get that revenge swing and just flails at it. And you know, it's happening. Like you come up and you're just like, Adam Jones is going to strike out at a ball on his feet because he's going to be so emotional here. He's going to swing at anything that's close to him. And sometimes that works. And sometimes it is, that is the ugliest at bat that I've ever seen in a clutch critical moment as well. So I'm interested about something you just said and the impact of analytics in the organization. Sure. And not just the Orioles organization, with any organization. Yeah. I think that, that you know, you have three schools of thought. First is analytics first. Second is old school. And the third is is the uh, is the merge between the two, right? But I think what, what's really interesting is that if you're going to have an organization where they're going to start really stressing analytics, that has to be a, a strong voice from the top, from the get-go, right? From the GM, from the manager. And frankly, if this happens with the Orioles, where they really start to consider more of the analytics side, I think it'll be in the post-Showalter era, right? Yeah, I, think it'll I have do agree to, with that. I think it'll have to be the new authoritative voice coming in and saying, look, this is the way it is, and this is the way we're going to do it here, and this is going to be the Orioles' identity, or or any team's identity. Um, you know, I, I think that they right now use it as a tool to various degrees, but for it to really be a guiding principle, I think it'll it'll be the next regime. Or I, it'll be a future regime. Yeah, I think that you're probably right about that. Um, I just remember back to uh, one of my favorite books that I've read recently for for baseball statistics, and it was Big Data Baseball by uh, Travis Salchik, who is actually running for Fangrass now. And he talked about the whole aspect of introducing um, defensive shifts into the mindset for pitchers because, again, it was a situation of, okay, we're going to do these defensive shifts. And, of course, balls would trickle through the, the, the shift in certain aspects. And I remember and there was one aspect where A.J. Burnett absolutely went literally insane saying they shouldn't be playing there. Like, they should be playing here if they were here then this wouldn't have been an issue. But over time, he kind of grew into it and said, oh, you actually know what? I'm actually, I'm seeing the results. Like, 
one time it going again not working doesn't mean that the method is faulty. It's the aspect of in the in the grand scheme of things, this is actually the right way to go about doing it. So my other concern is is Adam Jones gonna be one of those players that, you know, says, All right, I'll do whatever you're telling me to do. But then as soon as something goes against him, he's gonna say, I knew I was right. I'm gonna go right back to doing what I was was gonna do as originally. I think it was maybe three seasons ago at this point, we had a discussion as to Adam Jones and and uh you know, I'm super excited that he's on the team. Yeah. I, I love you know, my son loves watching him play. And I hope at this point that he resigns with the Orioles and he finishes his career here. But I think that Adam Jones's career will really depend on his ability to manage his ego, right? Will he move to a corner outfielder spot? Will he move down in the lineup? Will he do so without being sour? And that's not just Adam Jones. That's any baseball player that's been at the top of his game in the top, you know, couple, you know, maybe five of his position for the last several years. And I think that's the big point I want to make out of this is, the ability to adapt towards the future is important. You cannot rely on the past and say, well, this is what happened in the past, so that is going to dictate the future. The past never dictates the future as you continue to go to older. This comes to the age-old argument that we had last year when Steve Molesky was posting about Giovanni Gardo's career ERA. And it's just like, yeah, but you can't post his career ERA when you can obviously see his case per nine dropping and dropping, his velocity dropping and dropping. You knew he was going to hit that brick wall. And sure enough, he hit that brick wall last year. So to come back and say, well, yeah, it's been working for the past five years, you have to be constantly continuing to adapt and get better and figuring out, again, trying to thread that needle for the Baltimore Orioles and come to being a 500 team all the way up to a wildcard team or going for a division, you've got to basically take one step to the right and become a better player than you were last year or try to maintain to be the same player that you were the previous year because you're going to see a, a decrease in talent as you continue to age. And a, and a quick note on tone. You know, Adam Jones may be the man in the arena, but we wouldn't be talking about him if we didn't think that he could do good things for this team. Oh, right. That's what this conversation comes totally down to. about. It, it comes down to if Adam Jones does not have a productive season, Adam Jones is one of those linchpin players that if he has a bad season, everything falls apart. If Adam Jones is out for a period of time and is no longer the center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles, this team has no chance of even posting a winning record is the best way to describe it. So Adam Jones is um, a, a fundamental cog in it. All I'm asking is for that fundamental cog to um, consider various sources of grease so they can t- continue to move. Maybe a little less prickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with that, why don't we go ahead and blow the save? Scott, I'm going to blow the save this week with a tale of regret. It's a tale of regret. There comes a time in everyone's life when you just, you look forward and you realize that you missed the boat on certain things in your life. And you know what happens to all of us? Scott, I have missed the boat on something that was at one point so critical to me. And that is this. I will never be able to try out to be an Orioles ball girl. Mm. And it's hard to sleep at night knowing that uh, that, that time is behind me. Uh, I know that upcoming here in the first uh, week of March, I think it's March 4th, uh, the Orioles are going to hold tryouts for ball persons. And so I would just like to encourage everyone out there who maybe doesn't have a full-time gig during the summer or has the... the um, 
youth or economic flexibility to be able to uh, try out for this gig and to be a ball person. If you've ever considered doing it, do it. Go out there, do the tryout, because it's something I always wanted to do and something I never got around to. So if you go for Orioles uh, ball person tryout, do me a favor, tell us, tweet at us, uh, write us a note. It's contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Let us know what the experience is like. And for anybody that actually makes it, uh, we'd like to hear about the experience of actually doing a game. Um, and if you've been a ball person in the past as well, get in touch with us. Let us know what that's like. Because it was always a dream. And Scott, that dream died. Yeah, but as a father, isn't it your job now to basically push that into your son? Yes. My uh, youthful goals have to be my children's or else i and they are failures that's the way this works okay and with that i guess that's our show um so remember you can find us uh, with all our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com bird's eye view is a proud member of the baltimore sports network where you can find shows like baltimore sports today you can find us on Baltimore Sports Report Network dot Baltimore Sports Report dot com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Google Plus, Snapchat, but the best way, Twitter at Bird's Eye View B A L. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond adieu with you. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. No, really, Adam. Let's go O's. Really? Let's go O's? Really. 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 Hashtag stay hungry. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.